0: All right, so my name's Tommy, I'm a pastor here at Grace, and um, we've been on this journey together through the book Multiply, and by the way, like, there's a lot of people in this room today, so I hope the amount of energy reflects the number of people, uh, because I know we're all kind of like, oh, hard, watch the game, but I was in my room by myself, in, in and in like screaming, like, if I can do that, we can have energy for the Word of God, so just be awake and be with me. let's have some fun today, we have a lot to celebrate, right? Our team is 2-0, and o. we are 100%. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. All right, so we've been going through this, 100%. We've been going through this Multiply series, and it's fun. If you, if you haven't done it, we, we invite you just to go ahead and join with us. Grab a book, Multiply, and start reading. Um, the last two weeks, we talked about the church. Uh, and that, some of that stuff was kind of heavy. And, you know, kind of stepping on the toes, deal or whatever, which is, there was nobody at 9 o'clock, and I thought that's why. But then I remembered we were all up watching the game. So today's a little different. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Bible. And I, I, you're like, okay, we came to church to talk about the Bible. I get it. But like, the more I've just experienced life in the last two years as a pastor in a church, the more I have realized how low our collective biblical knowledge is. And like how, how almost dangerous it is. And this isn't a knock on anybody. If you're, like, you're here for the first time, you're know, like, I don't know the Bible. You shouldn't know the Bible. But some of us have been doing this for a long time. And, and in an American church, there seems to be such a low level of biblical understanding. And it's apparent in what, we, in what we post and what we say and how we live and, and so much of, of what we say and what we do out in public, it, it kind of actually diminishes the power of the gospel. And the problem is just so few people actually take the time to read it and understand it. And the end result of our lack of, of, of biblical knowledge is we lose our joy, we lose our peace. We lose our hope in times when we should still have hope. You know, the world can take our joy from us and our peace from us, and we're, we're very open to, to being circumstantially joyful because we don't really know what this says about our circumstances. And there's power in knowing this, and it's not just reserved for the sacred guy on the sacred stage with the sacred book. Like, we all have this, especially in America. You know, we at the at the end of the nine o'clock I was just praying like I do, I'll end this one with a prayer and I was just thinking, man, what a blessing it is to live in this country where I can pick this up and read it publicly. And I have no fear whatsoever. You know there's people in the world who would give everything to even have a copy in their home, and we've all got copies on our phone. That rhymed. <laughs> I like it when that happens. Matthew 28, 20, check this out. and teach, This is Jesus talking. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right. The only way that we can know everything Jesus has commanded is if we study the book he gave us. He says, if, if, if you love me, you keep my commands. Well, the way to keep his commands, the way to know him, is to read the book he gave us. It's like some people are going to end up in eternity with a God they've never really spent any time with. And to think, think about the decision you're making when you decide to follow Christ, that you're giving your whole life to God. Are you just going to take my word on him? Like, think how scary that is, just to take the word of some yahoo on a stage. Like, I, I don't even like sitting in deer stands that I create because they're all shaky and dangerous. And you're going to place your whole life on what I tell you about this book? Like, is that the way you got married? Did somebody say, trust me, he's a winner? Some of you are like, yeah, that's actually what I did. (laughs) That's not the way we choose a spouse, is it? You know, some dude says, you pick him, you pick her, go on, do your thing. And That's not the way we pick that. And yet we are going to spend eternity with God. And so I believe that between this day and that day, we ought to spend some time getting to know him on our own. And the way you do that is by picking up God's word and spending time with God. But for too many of us, you know what this is? What the Bible has become? Anyone ever tried a uh, Bible reading plan? Raise your hand if this audience is participating. Anyone ever tried one? Anyone ever finished one? Exactly, none of y'all. <laughs> Deb, you did not. None of us have ever finished one. It's like, it's what we, for us, it's like that reading the Bible becomes like this a religious duty, right? Where I'm gonna I'm gonna set some time aside and I'm gonna read it and so we all start off with like oh, I got my new Bible reading plan and and man day one like you you're there and you've got your coffee and you got this whole little thing and you got a little feather because you're gonna this is how you take notes and then you read you're, I mean you're into it right day one you were you were going you've got a notebook full day two day three the office is doing a marathon so I'm gonna watch the reruns of the office first. I mean, we don't finish because it becomes religious duty for us. It just becomes a box. We have to check, and so there's no joy, and and we're on like this time limit. And what I don't believe happened in heaven when God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, when they were discussing the Bible, I don't think they had a meeting where they said, okay, God said, I got an idea. Let's create a book that they will hate reading. And then let's time them with a big heavenly stopwatch on how much time they spend reading it, and if they don't spend enough, we'll judge them on that. I don't think that's what happened in heaven. I don't think they sat around and said, we're going to create something that's going to be boring for you, but we want you to do it, and we're going to judge you on whether or not you do it. What I think God did, I think God said, I want to give you my breath. Louis Giglio called the Bible the breath of God. I love that. You want know Louis Giglio, Passion Church? I said it. I made it up. He said, like, it's the breath of God for us. God didn't give us some thing that would be miserable. He he allowed us to know him like the creator of the world, the author of all humanity, the greatest power, the most infinite power the world will ever know. He said, I want to give you a way to know me. So he exhaled onto a page so that we might have the power and knowledge of knowing God and understanding life and actually getting to live something worthy of life. This is not boring. And there has to come a time in your relationship with God when your time in the Bible is not about religious duty, and it's not about checking a box. It's about spending time with God because you love God. You know how, like, when you first fell in love, you wanted to look at their yearbook? You know, look at their baby pictures? All right? That's what the Bible can become. It can become that moment where you're just, man, I want to know everything about you. And so I want to read. E- even the parts, like, we read, and we get, like, Genesis, X, and we get to Leviticus, and we're like... Psh- there can come a day where it changes, where God actually works inside of us to do something. But like everything in life, you reap what you sow, right? You reap what you sow. That's like the the biblical thread that runs through the whole book. You reap what you sow. And what you put into this is what you will get out of it. And so if you schedule, you know, two minutes a day, every third day, I mean, you know, eventually you're going to go, man, this is boring. Of course it is, because you're not putting anything into it. God doesn't want scheduled time with you. I mean, He doesn't want just that. He wants that too. He doesn't want just that. He wants to speak words that change your life. And so, I man, there's a lot of cool stuff about the Bible that we could get from our study. But I'm going to cover a few things that have actually really impacted my life. Ephesians 4:11. I think I've read this verse every week lately. So Christ Himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip His people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and yonder by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people with their deceitful schemes." So it's our job. It's the leadership of this church. We've got to do a better job of this. We must equip people to read the Bible. That is what we are here to do. That is our job, and we are constantly looking at new ways to do that and better ways to do that. And in the past, we haven't done a great job, and other times we have, but you have to take the opportunities that we give you. Two years ago, we did a year of the Bible. About a year after that, I heard someone say, I wish they'd teach the Bible there. And I was like, what? What? I mean, this year we're doing multiply, and the next like seven chapters are just breaking down parts of the Bible. You could be doing this, like you you could be doing this. Next year we're gonna do we're gonna spend the whole year on four books of the Bible. That's our whole year. We're gonna do Genesis, we're gonna do John, we're gonna do Ephesians, and we're gonna end the year. Listen, this one with Revelation. It's gonna be so fun. I can't wait. Like we need to participate in the offerings that there are and it's like you don't have to have you don't have to have me to equip you to read the bible you've got google like google tim mackey that's what i did that's how i'm I mean, just google tim mackey google uh, francis chan and learn from these these men how to if, the bible says if you seek you will find If you knock and the door will be open. Like if you're looking to learn how to read and understand the Bible, God is going to make you away. But when you don't do that, the way we come to learn the Bible is through Facebook memes. I call it the NFT, the new Facebook translation. We take something we saw on Facebook and we share it as if it's some sort of scriptural masterpiece. And so when you do this, you come away believing crazy things, right? Right? You believe like, you come away, and I don't care if you get vaccinated or not, but I've heard so many people with with biblical vaccine view, or you come away believing all sorts of just incredible nonsense that no one would believe if they'd actually taken the time to study the book. But we don't. We just share it. Share. Like There's got to be a better way to learn the Bible than Facebook. Some of the stuff they post on Facebook, you know, it's not even from the Bible. Not everything on Facebook is true. I found that out. Yeah, that girl that's been lost for 27 years, they found her. I'll we'll have to quit to keep sharing that one. <laughs> that's funny. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know what I like most about this verse? I mean, it's in the Bible. But that who devoted them? They devoted themselves. Did someone force them? What was it, programmed? No, they devoted themselves. There was a work of the Holy Spirit in their heart that led people to believe that they actually needed to pick up this book and spend some time studying it. We need to know that. We need, we need to devote ourselves. And guys, the whole book was not written to you, right? Different parts of the Bible were written to different but the whole book was written for you. And every part of it is beneficial for learning and growing and instruction. As a matter of fact, listen, this is 2 Timothy 3, and this is a cool verse. But as you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, it's like you've learned some good stuff because you learned it from some people you knew, right? You, you trusted somebody. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture. It's God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Man, this hit me this week. Part of the reason that we're to spend time in the Word of God is because we love God, but it's equipping us to do good works. And I kind of grew up with this idea like. There's some churches that are really known for their works in the world, right? There's like these social justice churches, and you know them because they do good works in the world. Then there's other churches that you know and and the people are really proud of, like we study the Bible. And so you have the Bible study church and the good works in the world church. I kind of think that should be the same thing, that all churches should be both of those things. People who are studying the Bible and doing good things in the world. But if you're you're trying to do things for God and you're not equipped in the foundation of the word, then you're not experiencing the fullness of what you're doing. See, if, if you're serving God in some way, but you're not spending time knowing God and learning God, I believe what God would like to tell you is, you would do better with me. You would have more fun if I was with you. Like, if you're out there greeting, I love that, and that is an amazing thing. But if you understood the biblical view of hospitality, you would have even more passion for what you're doing at that door every Sunday. If you're working back there with kids, it's wonderful, and we applaud that. But if you understood biblically the love that Jesus Christ had for little children, man, you would be more passionate than ever about that. Reading the Bible is not going to teach you how to sing a song, I promise, Uh, because some of y'all know the Bible. You can't sing. Reading the Bible is not going to teach you to sing, but it will give more power to the words you're singing. It will give more depth. Listen, I have a certain uh, God-given ability just to talk to people. I can talk. But if I'm talking apart from biblical knowledge and apart from the Scripture, then I'm just another loud voice in the world making no difference. Everything we do must be connected to a source that's bigger than us, or we're just doing it on our own. And this is the breath of God for us. Like, this is how we know him. This is how we, how we spend time with him. It's hard. Man, this, this is probably my favorite thing I've learned about the Bible. This is Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. That alone is really cool. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know one of the things I've learned the most about the Bible is? You cannot read the Bible with an open mind and an open heart and come away full of pride. If the Bible is making you arrogant, you need to flip it the other way because you're reading it upside down or something. Like, It is impossible to really, really open your heart to God through a study of the Bible. Have any of y'all ever tried to read the Bible just to win an argument? Raise your hand. Don't lie. Some of y'all are lying. I know y'all are. I'm going to show you where you're lying right here. Third, Macadamians. Some of y'all don't know if that's in there or not. That's my point. That's where we're going. Macadamians. I don't know. (laughs) Right? We do that, though. We read the Bible to try to win an argument. Like, I've done that multiple times, and I've destroyed some of you in arguments after that. But, like, is that what we're supposed to do? And when we read the Bible, yeah, we should come away with some confirmation in some area of our lives, like the power of God. You should read the Bible and go, man, there is power. You should come away with hope. You should come away with peace. You should come away with joy. But you should come away humbled because what you will find when you read this is apart from him, I am broke, poor, pitiful, and wretched, and I am dead, and I need God in my life, and I have no life apart from him. And that's what you get when you spend time in his word. You understand the truth of yourself. You know, one of the things I say over and over is I know who I am apart from God. I know who I am apart from God. I'm, I'm a dangerous person apart from God. And I know that because I spend time in his word. And he reveals areas of my life that are not yet sanctified. And I've got like one or two. <laughs> it's hard. You know how you can tell that you're reading the Bible for the right reasons? Uh it, if, if, again, if you're, if you're reading to win an argument or to validate some political ideology or whatever, uh, you're not going to come away. From, I can always tell if I'm reading the Bible for the right reasons because something in me begins to change. There's transformation inside of me. Listen, listen to James. This is really cool. James one twenty two, He says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Listen to what, do what it says. Isn't that crazy? Don't just listen to it Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have learned but doing it, they will be blessed. I love that, man. How many times have have you read the Bible and read something, and then just turned away like it didn't even exist. It, it'd be like looking in the mirror, and you're just putting makeup all over your face, you know, like Indian war paint, and then you walk away going, I look good, don't I? You know, and I know, you got stuff all over your face. Like, when, when you look in the mirror, and you see something that's not right, you typically want to want to change it, or, you know, brush your wig, or something, right? Like, how many times do we read things in the Bible, and, and or we say this, we're reading something, we're like, well, that's outdated, Y'all ever done that? Well, you read something in the Bible you don't really like, and you're like, well, that must have been for a different place or a different time. Or you read something in the Bible you don't really like, and you're like, man, I sure hope my spouse reads that. Because they need that. My wife isn't in here. That's good. Isn't that what we do? I sure hope the people at that other church read that. Mm, I'm going to post this on Facebook. I'm going to pluck these three words completely out of context and post them on Facebook to show everybody how smart and righteous I am. No, no, no. I, it, says, it says, but whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've done, but doing it. It says, do what it says. Like, when, when we're reading this, I think the main thing we need to remember is he's talking to me. When I'm reading this book, like, the first thing I need to remember is he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Now, I know that section wasn't written wasn't written directly to me, but it was written for me, and I'm reading these things, not going, well, God, you're wrong, and this, and this, this, and this should be over here. I'm going, how can I take this knowledge and use it to, to make my life more like Christ under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit? How can I do this? Whatever I'm reading, my question is not, well, I sure hope. And, and for me, it's, I, I, I can't always be thinking I need, I need to preach that. I need to preach that. I need to preach that. Maybe you're a Bible study leader or something. Everything you read is just something you're going to teach somebody else. No, this is for me. And so I'm reading it and I say, God, all right, I don't understand this. I don't get it. But what do I do with this so that I become more like you? Not so that I win my political fight. Not so that I make my point. Not so I have some cute Facebook meme. How do I become more like you through this passage? And if you will do that with an open mind and honestly, you'll begin to fall in love with God. It's crazy how it happens. You'll actually find yourself one day reading the Bible and not looking at your watch or your phone, unless your Bible's on your phone, then you'll be looking at your phone. You see what I'm saying? Like, you can actually get a little lost in this. Like, like that first conversation, the first time you fell in love. You remember when you'd sit on the phone all night, y'all remember that? And the girl would be like, my dad's coming, I gotta go by. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else, when they had like, we actually real phones, gotta go by. Like there can come a point in your relationship with God where this actually becomes like an intimate experience with the lover of your soul. It's possible. Throw that last verse up there for me if you don't mind. This this, this is why it's possible. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So when you're reading the Bible, when you've given your life to Christ and you're reading the Bible and you're under and you're really trying to open yourself and surrender yourself, then the Holy Spirit is working through you to translate. He's opening your mind to see things you would never see. He's, he's, he's doing things in you where you actually read something and it goes from head knowledge to actually changing your heart and you move out in the world, actually transform. This is possible. Guys, the people in this church who have the deepest influence on me aren't necessarily the smartest. They're not necessarily the most talented. They're the ones who've spent the most time in the Word. And when you're in the room with somebody like that, there, there's a lady who, who's my pen pal. We email back and forth, and she's, she's older than me. She's probably two decades or three decades older than me. And we spend so much time emailing back and forth because the deepness of her spirit calls the deepness in my spirit. And there is something incredible about those conversations. And this is what God wants for us. This is not something you check off your list. It's the breath of life. It's God desiring a moment with you. And so I just encourage you guys. Maybe go home this week and, and try it again. I know you've tried before. I know, I know you've tried before. Maybe this time don't start in Genesis. You know, last time you started in Genesis and you got to Exodus and you, maybe start in John or Philippians or anything in the New Testament. But like, give it another shot. But this time, when you approach it, approach it asking the Spirit to open your heart. Approach it like a first date with someone you really love. Approach it not with a God who's holding a clock to time you, but with a God who's holding your hand to walk with you. Ask God this time to make it real for you. The word of God. breathed into your lungs. Enjoy it.